grab him in the side headlock. He doesn't have a choice. I'm bigger, I'm badder, I'm meaner. I'm faster. All right, everybody ready? Y'all ready? Yeah, we're going live, so we're live. Gifts of the Spirit. We've been kind of working on Spirit Man. And each of us, whether you're a wool man or a man, you have the Holy Spirit in you. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit, right? And then we learned about the spiritual gifts, so like the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. And then what did we learn after that? So we went from Holy Spirit gifts, then we went to what gifts? Gifts that Jesus gives us now, guess where we're at? G-O-D, it's time to get done with G-O-D. Yeah, G-O-D. Alright, so I just wanted to read some scriptures real quick. Romans 12, 14 to 16. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. So let me uh, pray. I'm going to read this one too, 12, 12 and 13. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. So Father, we say yes and amen. We say yes and amen to every good and perfect thing that you want to give us. Lord, there's an order and there's a way that things happen in this world. You've aligned things, you've made things to be. And we need to come into alignment with your will. So, Father God, as we study your spirit, as we study your son, and now we study you and the gift that you give, would you meet us right here, Father? Would you meet us right here so that we can receive would you take away the struggles of the day, all the concerns and all the things that we're worried about, and help us to just pay attention to your word, Lord. Father, I pray that you would get me out of the way and that you'd speak early. Father, we love you and we thank you so much in the name of Jesus. Amen. Rejoice in hope. What's faith? What is faith? So if we're called to this thing, right? Jerry, do we come here just for the food? Why do we come here? Nah, we don't want to come and see Fred. You can go to his house. He's always there. Okay, never there. But, why do we come to church? What's the point of it? To learn. To learn what? What everybody likes about food, what they don't like about food, what people like to drink. Okay, learn and understand greater of our Lord. What else? Family. What else? Anybody got anything else out of all this? Yes. Learn more about God and learn more about ourselves. Learn more about God, learn more about ourselves. Amen, amen. That's good. 
And then how about like, like what does all this thing mean? Why, why bother learning about all this stuff? Like if there's nothing other than filling our heads with a bunch of stuff, then why would we bother? Right? Like my head's full of enough stuff, amen? You've heard it come out. To have fellowship, that's a good thing. Right? That's one of the reasons we come here. Amen. And most importantly, fellowship with the Lord. But even that, is that enough? Because we can go to Pizza Ranch every Saturday. I'll just say, let's go to Pizza Ranch. We'll eat, we'll eat desserts, we'll have pizza, fried chicken, we'll have fellowship. I'll even bring my Bible and throw some verses out there. And we'll be good, right? What do you mean, no? What's the point of church? To get other people's point of view of the stuff. Okay, that's a possibility. Okay, excellent. Because this is really what you just nailed on here. Is rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation. Anybody ever had a bummer of a day? Like where it just sucked bananas. It's like this thing sucks. And then you get this, you get this Paul dude, this Weisenheimer, who says, be patient in tribulation. Whatever, dude. You have not been through what I've been through. So don't don't write your precious little words and tell me about your little whatever. Right? Like, who hasn't had a worse day than Paul's worst day? Right? Remember that story where he, he uh, uh, got shipwrecked and then and then he had to stick his hand in the fire to do the log and he got bit by a snake? Oh, how about those times when he got whipped almost to death? 40 lashes minus one? How about the times, didn't he get stoned a couple of times? And I'm not talking about puffing on the ganja. He had rocks thrown at him until they thought he was dead. Any of you guys ever had a day like that? No. Well, yeah, he spent a couple of times in prison. And what did he do when he got to prison? He prayed and he sang. Praise you in the morning, praise you in the noontime. Right? He's just, he's just going off and loving, and loving him some Jesus. That seems preposterous. There has to be something to the reason why these guys wrote these books. What? How much did he get paid? Wasn't he like a multi-billionaire or something to write this book? Every book he wrote, I think he got all the rights to it. So he's still getting royalties. He actually is getting royalties because he is royalty. And therefore, sitting with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he is getting it all. He is loving it large. So there has to be something to it. There has to be something that drives the passion that these authors would write about. Because why would you bother? I'll just tell you the story. Be done with it. We're good, right? And if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. Okay? You're getting there, Pat. You're getting there. Love? Okay? So be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. And to seek hospitality. What is he talking about? Contribute to the needs of the saints. Okay, praise. But what else? If you read any other of his other books, he talks about actually the churches giving to their missionary journey. 
So they even, way back then, they tithe. And here he is. Contribute to the needs of the saints. So is it just money? It's certainly money. Well, what else could it be? Compassion. Okay, compassion. Time. Food. Knowledge, maybe? What else might there be? Okay, your time, treasure, your talents. How are we doing as a church with that? How are we doing? Like, this is a serious, serious take on this. And it's a serious thing for you guys. It's not for me. We talked about it a month ago, about tithing. And how important tithing is to your spiritual walk. Because when you're willing to give to the Lord and to contribute to the mission of the Father, there's something so beautiful inside that happens. This blessing comes upon you as you give. But we have to give with that joyful heart, not out of... Have you ever heard me tell you, Hey, Bert, you better put a $50 bill in that box you can burn in hell. Ever hear me say that? How about a $20 bill you can burn in hell? Ten. Surely I said if you don't put a five spot in that box, you're going to burn in hell. You're trying to tell me that I have never told you to put money in that box? What? That's your, how am I going to get my new car? <laughs> if you don't put it in there, where am I going to get it? <laughs> Work. point is, we don't, we don't do it. I don't do what I do for that. But you need to do what God's calling you to do. Amen? And part of that is to give to, give to the Lord. Yeah. So, there's something about that. I mean, like, you work hard. Why would you give to the Lord? It's all His anyways. The Sunday school best answer in the perfect gold star. It's all God's anyway, so why not give it back? If He didn't give it to you, you wouldn't have anything. But Paul's talking about it. He's like, give, contribute to the needs of the saints and to seek to show hospitality. So we're to be kind and loving to people. Bless those who persecute you. All those people that call you bad names, He wants you to bless them. How about those people who are coming at you? See, so the point is, guys, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. How do you live in harmony with a prickly pear person? That's a good answer. Very carefully. Sometimes it takes something a little bit greater than we can. Remember uh, last week, it was second print, or uh, I think I brought it here, but it was 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. What's that? Yeah, but in 16 it says, Do not look with your eyes. No longer see with your eyes, but see with your spirit. See, we're off on a spiritual journey, and that's why we start with the spirit. Then we go to Jesus, so the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. Things that we can do that go beyond our own understanding and our own ability. And if all we want to do is operate out of the flesh, guess what we're going to get? We're only going to give that which the world is willing to give us. 
which is way less than God is willing to give us. Right? You're settling for stones when you could have diamonds. Okay? Never be wise in your own sight. Maybe you want to have a second thought. Maybe you want to think again about that great choice you're making. Maybe you want to take it to the Lord and seek His counsel. What is it that you're struggling with? What is it that you're battling with? What are those, what are those things that are trying to knock you down? And you think you got an answer for it. What is it that's beating you up? Anybody? I got a lot of things that always come against me. And it's seeking God first that puts me in the right place. It's contributing to the mission of our Lord and Savior that helps my heart. It helps keep me grounded when I'm reading the Word, when I'm studying, when I'm doing what He's calling me to do. Amen? It makes a difference. It's how, it's how like sometimes we actually are capable of resisting some of the bad stuff that's going on in this world. But I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I get my dander out and somebody's chafing my backside <laughs> something fierce. And I might not always want to do things the way that God has called me to do it. But God's calling us to something more. So raising the church God's way, the spirit man, learning to live from victory. Does God have an order for this thing we call life? Does God have an order for this thing we call church? You think that God just kind of threw it out here and threw an idea and just like, here you go, guys. Figure it out. Or do you think that God is a God of peace and love and justice and order? Do you think that God has a purpose for our lives? Or do you think we're just random atoms out in the cosmos and we just happen to come together and we're just floating through the abyss and hopefully one day we'll get to Valhalla or wherever else it is that you might think we're going? What do you think? I mean, you might as well have a foot in every, every one of these religions just in case one of them is right. Or do you think we worship a God of order? Psalm 139, 16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So before the beginning of time, before anything was created, God knew of you. And he laid out a path for you. He laid out, and this is a hard one for people, he laid out a destiny, he laid out a place where he wanted you to go. But he gave you free will to go where you wanted to. And when we join him, when we join arms with him, when we take Jesus as our Savior, we vow to die to self and to live in Christ. How many of you are taking that vow seriously? Because I know a lot of us are getting pretty tipsy about things in the world that ain't going our way. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah, the world does that. That's what it's supposed to do. It's absolutely what the world is supposed to do. It's, this world is not ruled by God. This rule, world is ruled by the enemy. Holy Spirit dwells in us to make it through this thing called world, this world, 
not only just make it through it, but to thrive inside of it. Yes, there's going to be times that tear and break us down, but no matter what happens, we have something in us greater than anything that this world can give us, something that renews and restores a hope and, and a hunger and, and a fight in us, like a holy fight inside of us. I don't have to give up just because the world wants to kick me down. And it's kicked me down many, many, many times. But if I want to lay down in the ditch, then that's all I'm going to get. I hope like heck that somebody pours some water down the ditch and I might get a drink. But Jesus says that he is the, the well of living water. That, that he, remember he talked to that, that lady at the well? And he said, if you drink, you will never thirst again. So there's something different. So God saw it, and he laid out these orders, and he laid out these paths if we're willing to walk in them. But are you actually willing to? Are you willing to let go of what you see and let the Holy Spirit work through you? Are you willing to let God work through you? So now we've studied the Spirit that helps us out. And we can utilize the gifts from the Holy Spirit. And then, and then we learned about Jesus' gifts that help the body out, right? Like us, like me, right? And so I can be a help to you. So does God have a plan, an order? Sorry. Who leads the church? Paul? Paul raised his hand. The body leads the church. Any other takers? Who's the head of the church? So who leads the church? But you just said the body. No, it's okay because you actually said what a lot of churches believe. They have people who don't even study the Bible sitting in positions of leadership telling somebody with a theological degree how they're to lead the church. They're based on emotions, not even operating in the spirit most of the time. And they're telling somebody who might be hot or might be cold in a pulpit how they're to lead the church. And so then you have a pastor who thinks that he's in charge of the church. Is that accurate? What do you mean, no? Well, if you don't do it and the pastor doesn't do it, then who does it? How? Through who? Through who? Stop beating your son. Not very church. So who leads the church? Jesus. If God has a purpose and an order, what is that order and does... Does the leader even matter? Probably think a little high on game. A little bit. Does the person standing up here even matter? If what you say is true, then what do you need me for? Why would I bother? I'll just sit down and any one of you can talk. Well, you're not saved if you don't believe in Jesus.
But I don't need to. You don't need a pastor. When you guys are sitting in church, when's the last time Jesus showed up? He shows up every time there's a trick question. You better know that the Lord, that God is always with us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. So what are, the whole reason I'm bringing up this confusion is because you need to be confused. Because if you're not confused and you think you got the answer, then I'll just sit down and shut up. But I want you to be confused for a moment. Because if I can show you how easily I can confuse you, the enemy can confuse you even more. And he loves to do that with the body. And all of a sudden, you put this pastor up on this pedestal, and they can't live up there. The oxygen is way too thin for a pastor up on a pedestal. What happens if he gets vertigo and falls down and bumps his silly little head? Maybe. It's pretty much what you mentioned in your prayer. Not, not, not me, Lord, but you through me. So we got to start looking, you know. How many of you guys are willing to go to the doctor tomorrow and fight? Just fight the doctor and say, Dang it, doctor, I want a cast on my right arm. It's broken. I mean, what? What do you mean your right arm's broken? It's broken. Pastor said yesterday my right arm's broken. Huh? Try it. We'll come visit you. So put you next to a window with a helmet so you don't like it. <laughs> the point is, it's like you know. So what are what are the things that we're willing to fight for? What are the things we're not willing to fight for? Like, you're obviously not going to go to the doctor and fight for a cast on your right arm. That's just stupid. Right? You know that it's not broken. So if you know, if you know certain things, if you know certain things, you'll be willing to do something in response to it, right? So if, if something's not broken, I'm not going to go to the doctor for it, is the point. It's just stupid. Just say, Doctor, my arm's broken. You know it's not broken. Your arm's fine. So if we can show you things that are broken, then we can start to fix things. Like, well, we can see that something in my thought process, something in my head, stops my heart from receiving the full gospel truth. Then I can start to think about it. I can start to let things in. So in the church, we have a lot of problems in the church right now, in America, for a lot of reasons, because we have a lot of carnal Christians who think because they've read a book, they know how to run the church. We have a lot of pastors who don't necessarily even believe in Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit, and they're leading a church. We were just reading the other day about transgender pastors leading and preaching in the church. How confused. When are you going to wake up, church? There are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. And I'm not calling if you're, if you're hurting and you believe that you're that way. Let's talk. I'm not going to judge you. But I'm also not going to let you preach the gospel. 
but yet we're doing it because we need to be nice to everybody. We got things jacked up, bent over, and sideways all day long in the churches. And it's time for us to get some things straight. It's time for us to understand that Jesus is the head of the church, right? He has to be the head of the church, which means he has to be the head of our lives. So you aren't as much as you might think you are, and yet you're more than you ever could dream you are. Does that make sense? When you think about it with your own mind, you are not that much. You are not that much, and you are not that important. But when you recognize that Jesus Christ is the head, and that you are filled with God the Father, His Son, and the Holy Spirit in you, you become greater than anything this world could ever imagine. So where do your thoughts come from? Because most of us are still living in the world. We are of the world, and we let the world tell us what we are. And we do the same thing in the churches. And we jack it up. We make a mess out of the churches. Very, very well intentioned. But we're destroying our churches. We're destroying faith. Because we're letting the enemy win. We don't know what's going on. We don't operate in the Holy Spirit. We don't operate with Jesus Christ. But we certainly don't operate with God. And so if we want to keep going, you, you don't even have to be a genius to look and see where things are going. Just look back 20 years and see what the church was then, and look now on what's going on. If you don't believe me, just look. You do the research. You figure it out. Figure it out, because you're smarter. So if God has a purpose and an order, what is that order? Does the leader even matter? Not only does God have a purpose and an order, it is perfect. It is a perfect order and purpose. Amen? So God doesn't make mistakes. Can you guys just put your hand on your chest or raise your hand or whatever with me and just say, I'm not a mistake? I'm not a mistake. I am perfect. And I am wonderfully made in the image of God. And you need to remember that always, please. Always remember it. When you're doing your worst and you feel like the biggest dagbird idiot because you just did something like, you catch yourself, you ever catch yourself and you're like, oh my gosh, I, I got an excuse and I use this. People get mad at me because I say that I'm blonde. But hey, it's an excuse that works for me. But uh, yeah, I do some pretty silly things once in a while. So if you got your Bible, turn to Ephesians 4. If you don't, we're going to have it right here. I therefore, a what? A prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. How many of you guys can tell me what your calling is? What are you called to do? How are you called to serve the church? Okay, does that serve the church? Or is there more? Because you, young lady, have the gift of hospitality. Your husband is absolutely hospitality. My bride is absolute mercy. What's, what's your calling? What is God calling you to? Because each and every one of us has a mission. Each and every one of us has a calling. 
some of you are called to help. Some of you guys feel like, like you can always just be there and help somebody. Like that's, that's really big in your heart is to help somebody. And all those things that we went through in the spiritual gifts, here he is talking about it. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Does that sound like the life you're living? Or you get bent, twisted, sideways, or broken? You just said the world wants to try and break you, and it sometimes does. We all feel like that. We all feel like that. It's just, all that is telling us is that there's space for God to work in us. That there's probably something in me where I'm not opening up to him. I'm finding out in my short three weeks of marriage where my pride is. Woo-wee! Am I finding out where my pride is? It's not a bad pride. It's not like I'm a boastful, egotistical pig. But I have certain things that my wife just likes to do for me or wants to do for me that I've always done for me. I said, no thanks, you don't need to. And God about smacked me right upside my head and said, well, you better let her do that. But I never had it before. I don't even know what to do with it half of the time. Sometimes i got to get out of the way. Sometimes i got to shut my mouth and allow her to do what she's called to do. Sometimes that man right there and that man right back there, those two have operated the living tar, run my pride bone right out of me so many times because they knew what I do. When you watch, when we close up, you watch the two, you watch these two go. Somebody stuck a couple of brand new batteries in them. <laughs> and they're tearing all through here, doing stuff, all kinds of stuff. Wait a minute, that's what I do. You're doing my part. I said, praise God, it took me a minute to let them do it. But you can ask them. You can ask either one of them. No, preacher, man, you go do what you're supposed to do. So, but it's, it's, go talk to people. No! But I love to talk to people, too. But, but it's hard. So you gotta, you got to work in that piece. So then it says there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. What parts of your life aren't you letting him into? We can do a sermon just on this stuff. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Okay, so now we're talking about the church and how God called certain people to be leaders over the church. So when you think about Paul... Paul went out, all the disciples, when they got done learning from Jesus, then they were sent out, right? Remember, Jesus said, wait. And then on what day did they receive Holy Spirit? What day is it called? Pentecost. <clears throat> so they received the power of the Holy Spirit inside of them, and they were sent out to do what? To preach what? The gospel. Right? So there they go. 
So here we are. So they, God gave this to equip the saints. Who's the saints? Who are the saints? All believers. All believers of Jesus Christ are now saints. Can you believe that you're a saint? Can you believe that you have all that crap that you've done in your life that just still sickens you? And God would look at you and say, you are a saint. You are my beloved. You are forgiven, you are blessed, and I love you. And not only do I love you, but I've given you a call for you to do something greater than you've ever done before. And so he, he calls us to do something greater than we've ever done before. And so, if we're still stuck in the old, what's the likelihood that we're going to step into the new? There's some of us here who refuse to let go of the old. And so we just keep walking in the old. I thank God that you come back week after week after week. But something's blocking you. Something's got you stopped up. You know what it is. What's the pain? What's the hurt? What's the sorrow that you're not letting go of? What's the thing? Because you are a saint. So to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So each of us with our call, we help build up the body of Christ. So if you're not doing your job, then how's the church going to be healthy? How? Because somebody needs the gift that God gave you so that you can do what God has called you to do. But somebody needs that because you're the only one that's going to be able to reach them. And if you refuse to do it, then who's going to do it? God will send another, but... Guys, we all have something to do. People can walk. People can walk. It is hard. It's very hard. Be a pastor, plant a church. They said it'd be fun. gospel, I think a lot of times the gospel that we give them it's not the right gospel. We give them some half-hearted half-knowing gospel. We're not even open up to the Holy Spirit all the way so that the Holy Spirit can talk through us. And so we're giving misinformation. Ephesians, or Philippians 4.13 says what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, Kim, I want you to take that, and I want you to go out to my truck, crawl underneath the front end, and I want you to bench press that. You could if God called you to do it. But he ain't calling you to do that. But people tattoo it on themselves and then go out and do stupid stuff. Um, 
How about God will never give you more than you can handle? How about that one? I have a good friend of mine who's working on misnomers in the Bible. Right, Jean? So she's teaching us, I want to get her notes. Because it's all those things that we think the Bible says this, and actually if you read the whole thing, it would say that. So there's a reason for preachers, there's a reason for teachers, there's a reason for all of us to let go of our garbage and to let God work in us and through us. So until we, so check this out. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now this is beautiful. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So in each and every one of us is a piece to the puzzle that helps build each and every one of us up so that we might all walk to the full measure of Jesus Christ. Do you see the church doing that? The church has a broken arm and a broken leg and a broken knee and a broken head and oftentimes a broken heart. We are not doing what we're supposed to be doing. We are not training you guys, and we're not telling you the full gospel, because what happens if I make you mad and you stomp your feet and leave? But if I don't tell you the truth, if I don't tell you the truth of the gospel, if I don't show you something's broken, you're never going to go fix it. You're never going to allow God to fix it. Church, there's something broken, and it's the way that we're playing church. We need to stop playing church and start being church. And it means that we need to listen to what God is calling us to and how much he loves us. You see, because the world will tell you you're broken. You're just held up on some pride or something. Just some little things inside of all of us that are holding us up. But it's okay. It's okay because we're at a point. We're at a point where revival is going to start coming soon. If you read the scripture and you wonder about the end times, you will hear of the end times coming soon. I don't know if that's a day or a thousand days or a thousand years. I don't know. But I would faithfully say that we are in the end times. I don't know what that means. But I know that all the signs that, that the books talk about we're there. So that means that all those people that are coming up against you who don't know Jesus Christ, who need you to show them compassion and love, they're waiting for you. They're waiting for you to rise up under the power and authority of Jesus Christ to do what God has called you to do. And it starts in the church. And that's why today we're going to start talking about the gifts from God because is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building of the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Who's the head of the church? Jesus. Jesus. Who comes next? The apostle, not the pastor. Everybody thinks the pastor does. Well, our church doesn't even have an apostle. Your church. What about this church? What is an apostle? One who is sent. 
So you study the Word of God and you are a what? A disciple. And as you are sent to plant churches, to do these things, to walk a lot like the disciples of old did, the apostles of old did. This church, we are under an apostle out of Greeley, Colorado. He's an absolutely incredible man. I'm going to try and get him here this spring. Absolutely incredible, loving, kind-hearted man. His name is Doug Burroughs. And he is incredible. Absolutely incredible. If you ever, if you ever want a YouTube fusion from Greeley, Colorado, you will see Doug is in his uh, early to mid-60s. He's been leading worship a lot, and he is a very spirit-filled, amazing man. Um, there are other people here who have been called up to that and haven't stepped into it. So an apostle, an apostle is apostolos. So an envoy, an ambassador, or a missionary, one who carries the message of the gospel. Used 74 times in the New Testament. Do you think apostle means anything? I have a question. What about our what about your prayer team? No, you'd just be a prayer team. You'd be an intercessory prayer team. Um, that doesn't mean that outside of that, that some people don't have other callings, like you're a teacher. You know what I'm saying? Um, so we got to work to equip and encourage you to do what you're called to do. So how do I spend time with you? To raise you up so that you get back to that hunger and that thirst for the word of God and it's always in you and you just love to pour it out. You know, you love to do it with maps and boards and things like that. I love to do it speaking. So an apostle used 74 times. They are the leaders of the church because God has directly pipelined down through them and teaching them. Now that doesn't mean that your pastor is less than um, they're not an apostle necessarily. They can be. They can carry that gift in. But your pastor receives a word, and through God we speak out. But not every pastor, not every person who walks in as a pastor, even as a call to be a pastor, Evelyn, you were a pastor's husband for, or you were a pastor's wife for, for quite some time. Now, out of the pastors that you met, did, was every one of them ever called to be a pastor? All of them? I know, in, I know in my short time of ministry, 14 years, that most of the pastors that I've met are not pastors, they're teachers. And they're put into a pastoral role. And so we have churches that are dying because there's nobody to love the flock. Okay? And if they fall short, and I said, well, you hired a teacher. You hired somebody with a great degree. Somebody who wants to pour out the word to you, yes, and that's wonderful. But what happens, where do you go when you're down? Where do you go to when you're down and out and you're struggling and you're hurting? You try to go to your pastor and they let you down. And then what do you do? I'm out of here! Is that right or wrong? Is it? It's wrong if you leave out of emotion. It's right if you do it because the Holy Spirit told you to leave. Now, just because you want to leave and you're so dagburn mad, you put it to prayer and you say, Dagburn, Lord, I want to be out of here. Yeah. And all you hear is, 
Well then go. I will bet you donuts and dollars that's you. <laughs> right? There's a lot of new cards bought. I told you guys this before. So all right, move. Who's, what what do you think is next? For sure. Anybody can, not anybody, but a prophet can get that, a pastor can get that, an evangelist can get that, a teacher can get that, you can get that. All of us, if we're in tune with the Holy Spirit, can get those downloads. There's more to it, though. There's more to leading a church in a community than just that. So just because I came to Portage doesn't mean that I can lead a church to do what we need to do in Portage. I need to spend time listening to God to find out what he's calling us to do. Right? So he's downloaded a bunch of stuff, and now I still need to get into prayer. I need to calm my life down where I can actually spend time with God again and ask him, how do I get there? How do we as a church get there, Lord? So who's next? Apostles first, who's next? Psycho? Disciples? Who? Prophets? Who? Any other takers? How about evangelists? How about a pastor? If the pastor's not the top, he's got to at least be second. Come on. Watch your mouth. Somebody stop her. Okay, so here we go. So the next is prophet. That looks like prophetess, but it's not prophetess. So who is the first prophet that we know of? If you can't read it, I don't know what else to do for you. I put the answer on the board, it's not even a trick question. Not even I am that me. <laughs> Abraham, Father Abraham, had many sons. And I am one of them, and so are you. So let's look at the Lord, right foot, left foot. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. So a man of God, or a seer, to see or be used as vehicles of God's message. So God downloads a message to the prophet. Well, why wouldn't that be the apostle? <laughs> Remember a couple weeks ago we were talking about the spiritual gifts. So as an apostle, I can receive, I can receive downloads, I can receive prophetic words, but that doesn't make me a prophet. Remember that? Really? Take a pull off, take a pull off that VP, girl. Take a bet. So a prophet, a prophet like Abraham, when you. You, when you read the middle of the Bible, remember those after after what book and to what book? What's the last book in the prophets? And what's the first book? Nope. Nope. I'll give you a hint. Psalms, Proverbs. Solomon, 
then there was that dude, what's his name? David? Uh-huh. I, I yeah. And what's the last one? That one might be the hardest one for me. Do you remember what the last one is? Well, Matthew's the first book of... So before Matthew, who's got their Bible? Somebody break out their hardcover. Somebody break out their poem. You look it up just before Matthew. You can go right to your Bible app. Matthew's aftermark. What's that? Malachi. Okay, or Malachi, depending on what school you're from. All right, so so those are the prophetic books, and how do they get the order of those prophetic books? So you have the major prophets and you have the minor prophets, and how do they establish who's major and who's minor? Did the majors all get a parade and the minors didn't? Are the minors building up to be the majors? Like they need to be on the training team? And they travel to the little stadiums and prophesy? They're only allowed to prophesy to 200 people or less? What do you think, Paul? Majors and minors are based on the size of the book. So Isaiah's got the most stuff in it. It's that simple. All right, so what's next after prophet? Grandma gave it away already. Pastor. Pastor or shepherd? So what's a shepherd do? Watches over the flock, right? That's a beautiful call. There's nothing wrong with it. Can a, can a pastor receive words of prophecy? Absolutely. I receive words of prophecy every week. Every week. Then why am I not a prophet? You can, you can receive the gift of the prophetic gift and still not be a prophet. What do you see wrong with the order so far, the way we do it in the church? What's the problem? The little Katie Wampus, right? So if your leader's not leading, then what's that lead you guys to do? Straight. Straight. If your shepherd's not shepherding, then what's the, what's the call? Where do you go? So you see, like, if you guys do what you're called to do, then I can do what I'm called to do, and we can be at least a bit healthier. We can function inside and operate underneath our apostle and the other apostles who are speaking into our church's life. Right? There are good men and women out there who speak into our lives, who love this church. But it requires all of us to do what we're called to do. You guys can't hold me up to be more than what God's called me to be. It's not your place. It's not your place. If you think if you think that I'm paying for everything until the time of Jesus comes, you're out your ever-loving mind. You guys got time and treasures and talents. You gotta step up. 
right? We all got to step up. That's the joy and the beauty of it. Like you went from being worthless to now you needed somebody very much you want to run the other way. Make up your mind. We can't be double-minded people. We can't speak out both sides of our mouth. But receive the beauty that is the gift from God and walk in that. Like how wonderful to know finally that you're needed. And there are people out there in the streets who need you to step up to do what God is calling you to do. If you don't step up, then who's going out there to them? You want me to do that too? Hey, pastor, I got a great idea for ministry. Really? Who's running it? Well, you are. Really? What does that mean? Well, I don't know, but I got a great idea. It was a word from God. He told me so himself. He said, you're going to do it. I said, really? What's it got to do with? Well, I don't know. And then three weeks later, you come and you say, Pastor, I'm, I'm getting really mad at you. Well, what happened before? Well, I told you you were supposed to do that ministry, and you still ain't heard a word about it. Well, I guess I'm sorry. When would you like me to do that? Because I'll stop doing those hospital visits right now. Absolutely. No, I will. I don't need to go to the nursing home. Nope, I don't need I, I will do it. Because God told you, he didn't tell me, but he told you. So if you tell me that I'm going to listen to you, I ain't going to worry about what he says. I'm going to go do what you say. I'm sorry, I got this out of line. Kind of sound like a smart aleck, don't I? <laughs> so, we got to think about it, church. We've got to start putting our churches back into alignment. We've got to start stepping up. We've got to call our churches to be what they're supposed to be. Right? So the pastor was, so, so far we have apostle, prophet, and then pastor or shepherd. What's next? Teacher, didasco. What's a teacher do? Teacher. Right. They're the guys that are going to get into a lot of the detail. You've sat, you've sat underneath them. Like, I feel like when I have to get into didasco and, and the Greek, number is this and the strongest concordance and you know all this stuff I'm like oh my gosh I love it when I'm doing my Bible study I absolutely love getting into all that stuff but when I sit up here I feel like I'm just boring you to tears like oh my gosh is that guy done yet? did he ever shut up? oh probably not he's got 37 pages for tonight but a teacher will sit up there and just bore you to tears for an hour not even bad an eye just kidding, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> he does not. I know that's not true. It's that in his closet. Guys, we've got to put our churches back in order. If we don't put our churches back in order, then what are we doing? We're just running and playing these silly games all on our own. What's that? Spinning your wheel. Absolutely. So what are we going to do, church? We're talking about a merger with the church upstairs. How are we going to merge with them? What are we going to do? What are we going to bring to the table? Yes, sir. It's okay. But as we talk about that, what are we going to do if we say if we say that we have a heart for Portage 
to reach the least, the last, the lost, and the lonely, then what are we doing? Just hoping like heck that somebody comes in here? Well, we are somebody with somebody else. You're already saved. I ain't done with you yet, but... Absolutely, you are somebody, and you need to recognize that. Y'all need to step up to your call. Y'all need to step up to the plate. There's no more passive Christianity. Those things are done. Sorry you were born a century too late. But you're here in the here and now. How many of you guys have taken time to uh, meet with Emmett? To meet with Emmett and tell him how much he's loved. So that he absolutely knows that he's loved and that he's a child of God. How many of us? How many of you have taken the time to meet with Alora? Or how about Alora's mom? Do you know her yet? We're a small group. We shouldn't be with the amount of love and craziness that's in this room. We've got to be what God is calling us to be, amen? We've got to answer the call, because if you don't answer it, who's going to? Right? Right, Pat? Right, Kim? They're completely into something. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's wrap it up, and uh, we'll call it a night. Um, I don't know what we're going to speak about next week. But, um, you know, if you guys talk about God again, it's fun. Yeah, let's do that. All right. Jerry, could you go hit that uh, stop button in the bottom right? I think it is. What's it say, Jody? Yeah, no, what's that say? It looks like the top left. <laughs> Something says to stop. Hopeless. You mean finish?